the big event today? Okay. It's the Super Bowl. What it is. Just to help you out a little bit. And as excited as many people may be, apparently not many of us in here, that's okay. But, there, but believe me, there's a lot of people. They even talked about having a national holiday the day after the Super Bowl, which I don't think will ever happen, and nor should it. But it's a big deal, okay? But I know this. I know that it is not the biggest thing. It's not the big event. It's not the main event today. I know that. Lots of people, though, don't necessarily agree with that. A lot of people would be excited to have the opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. It like, uh, there's a story of a man that had uh, his company had given him a ticket to the Super Bowl. He was so excited. I guess I would be too if somebody gave me a ticket. Those tickets, you know, I don't know. I, last I heard, they're three or four thousand dollars. You know, to, to buy a ticket for this thing. So I would be excited to go. But they gave this man a ticket, and so he he went. But when he got there, he found out that his seat was in the very top row in the very far corner of the stadium. A little bit disappointed in that. He felt like he could reach up and touch the Goodyear blimp more than he could see the field. But he was there. The game started. It's going through the first quarter. And about midway through the first quarter, he had been eyeing this seat that's down there, and he saw the seat on the aisle empty. He looked over again, kept looking at it, and it was empty, and it was about right on the 50-yard line, about maybe you know 15 rows up, an excellent, like, premium seat. So he got a little courage and decided to take a risk, and he worked his way down and through security and got down there, and he came to that seat, and he said, he sat down and he said, uh, is this seat taken? And the man that was sitting next to him said, well, no, it is not. And then he said, well, to the man, he said, how in the world could anybody have a seat this excellent for the Super Bowl and not be here? What in the world were they thinking? And the man said, well, actually, I own that seat. It's, it's my seat, but my wife is the one that was to sit there, but unfortunately, she passed away. And the man said, well, I'm very sorry to hear that, sir. He goes, yeah, I've been, she and I have been to every Super Bowl since we were married in 1967. And, uh, he, and he said, well, that's just terrible. I'm, again, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry for your loss. But weren't there some maybe other family members or friends that could have come and, 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 and sat in this seat? And he said, yeah, except they're all at the funeral. That's how important the Super Bowl was to that guy. It's not that important to us. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh, man. Well, what's the big event today? Here's the, the big event today is an encounter with the holy and all-powerful God who is here in this place. If we will just humble ourselves in worship, we will encounter him. That's the big event today. It's not the singing of all these wonderful songs led by a wonderful worship team, although that was excellent and that's great. It's not the big event today. The big event today is certainly not what I'm going to say. Not any words are going to come forth from, from, from my mouth. I can tell you that. The big event here today, 
Holy Spirit among us. That's the big one today. He is the one that makes real change happen. He is the one whose power draws us into a closer, deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And as we'll see in just the next few minutes, He is the one that gives us the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we're going to be working today. Chapter 2 of the first uh, book of Corinthians, uh, chapter, uh, verses 1 to 16. I'm going to read it in pieces. But that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. We'll have it on the screens as well. And then also, if you have your devices or electronics and the Bibles there, your scriptures there, that's fine as well. But throughout this chapter, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is describing all the various ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And let's read, this is the New Living Translation I'm reading from, and it says this, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever or persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I relied only, only, only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I did this. So you would not, so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Now another translation says this: I did this so you would not trust in the wisdom of men. How many of us, many times, trust in the wisdom of men? Politicians, the media. I'm not here to be disparaging about any of these folks, not at all. But that's not the wisdom of men. Is not. What matters? That's why Paul was saying this. Not trust in that, but in the power of God. So the Holy Spirit, there's three quick things amongst many that we could talk about today. The, the Holy Spirit, the first thing is, he validates. The Holy Spirit validates the gospel message by demonstrating God's power. It confirms, it verifies, it substantiates, it authenticates The Holy Spirit validates the gospel message. Now, Paul, at the time he's writing this, had just fled from Thessalonica. He was was fleeing because he was under persecution. And as it says in chapter, uh, verse 3, excuse me, it says, he came in weakness, timid and trembling. But you know what? It didn't matter much. It didn't matter much because when Paul spoke this simple message of Jesus Christ, Crucified. The simple message was accompanied by the demonstration of God's power. That's what he was talking about. That's what it was accompanied by. And as a result of that, here's we don't know exactly what happened, but I can tell you we can assume fairly reasonably, I believe, that there was, if he was speaking the simple message of Jesus Christ crucified, accompanied by the power of and demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, I can tell you what happened. Life change occurred in the people that heard the message. 
Healing occurred. Prophecies came forth. Miracles happened. People were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were given power to live their life boldly for God. Why? Because of what Paul was preaching? No, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So whatever it was, whatever happened, it was clearly the power of God. And Paul, by his own admission, is saying, not because of his words or his wisdom. This is my prayer. I'm going to tell you from the bottom of my heart, this is my prayer for First Assembly. My prayer for this church, for the ministry, for my ministry, for all things related to this fellowship, is that it would be not because of words or wisdom or anything else, but it would be because of the power of God demonstrated through the Holy Spirit working among us. You hear me? I want our church to experience each and every one of you and corporately together. I want you to experience the life-changing power. Not the, just the life-changing, but the, life, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've sung about this today. When people come to know the Lord through the ministry of this church in whatever way that it is, I want them to do so because their faith rests upon God's power. Not because of my wisdom, Pastor Bill's wisdom, or any other people, all the collective wisdom that we may have here. I want it to rest on God's power. That's what I pray for people who come to faith here in this fellowship. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we're going to pick it up. Verse 6. Yet when I am among mature believers, Paul is saying, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then he says in verse 10, but it was to us, to us as believers, that God revealed these things by his spirit. For the spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. You want to know the secrets of God? You want to know the mystery of God? You want the revelation of God and His truth in your life? It's going to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. You can read every book you want to read. You can get every degree you want to, that you want to receive. I'm not saying anything wrong with any of that. But if you don't believe me, go look at the graduates of the Duke Divinity School. With respect. Or the Princeton Divinity School or many other places, who claim to know and have studied and know a lot of things in their worldly wisdom. But if you really want to see what God has in His secrets and His mysteries that He can reveal to you, that's going to be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Talked about this last week. So the Holy Spirit validates. Here's another thing. Just said it. The Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit 
reveals, it divulges, it exposes, it it uh, it brings forth, it uh, it makes known, brings to light. Paul reminds us, just as he did in chapter one, actually of First Corinthians, but that in order for someone to understand and respond, to understand it and to respond to the gospel, it takes a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not what I'm going to say in my words speaking to you today that's going to move you to understand and respond. It's the power of God through the demonstration of His power through the Holy Spirit. This is what this church believes. So if you're here for the first time, you're getting First Assembly 101. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe He's active and, and dynamic. And He's working. He's working today, too. Working right now. He reveals. But if you want to understand and, and, and respond to the gospel message, it's going to have to take a work of the Holy Spirit. And he said it in verse 8, Paul did. The rulers of this world have not understood it. In fact, no one in fact, the disciples really didn't understand it. Now remember, we know how the story ends. We've read the whole book. Back when they were living, they didn't really come to grasp with, with everything until, of course, after the resurrection, but even really until the, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out amongst them, that's when they really understood completely God's plan of salvation. That's the truth. That's when they finally got it. That's why they went around and evangelized everywhere. Not because they, they, you know, they had waited on God. He poured out His Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that's when they went around and built the church. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what they were doing. That's how they were operating. But now Paul had said, says that we just read, that what had been hidden has been revealed to us by His Spirit. Very important, I believe, to understand this. So for those of us who have accepted Jesus, I want you to know, we are promised a great deal of things by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're, we're promised that as believers. I'm going to go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting back now in verse 11. Paul writes, No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. That's a revelation of the gospel, man. The one he's freely given us. This is Paul. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Listen to this now. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. And that's an unfortunate thing. But that's the scripture. That is truth. I've always looked at this and thought about how many times I've talked to people so many times in this second part of verse 14 there. It all sounds foolish to them. How many times somebody walked up to you and said, well, I don't understand. No, well, God, he can't be real because of this, that, and the other. Why, does, why do bad things happen? Why are there floods? Why are there hurricanes? Why? Go into all that. You don't understand it because it sounds foolish to you. Because you're not looking at it through the Spirit. You don't understand it. 
And in fact, I want to go, you know, I understand it. You think it's foolishness. Folly, some translations say. Craziness. That's what a lot of people think. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. That's not a, that doesn't make us, but I just want to this to make sure we're clear. That doesn't make us any better than anybody else. Amen? That does not make us better than anybody else. That means that the Spirit of God is revealing His truth to us. Thank God for it. We should be humbled by that. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. There's some things I could talk about that I'm not going to have time. Four, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, verse 16, for we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So there's the Holy Spirit validating, the Holy Spirit will reveal, and the Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ at work in every believer. How many want them to, to, to operate fully in the mind of Christ? Or given the mind of Christ? Have you ever wished you could read someone's mind? <laughs> Maybe not. But I'm just talking about today, just to be completely clear. I'm not talking about mind reading. I don't think people can read people's minds. They can't. Thank goodness. <laughs> right? That should get the biggest amen today. Although, I will say there's sometimes I think that my wife can do that. I don't know what it is. Is it they call it women's intuition or something in the genes or something? I don't know. But men, is that right? That doesn't seem like women can finish your sentences and know what you're going to do before you even do it. Sometimes, be real. I don't think they can read minds. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> no idea why I said that. But here's the thing. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit knows, in verse 10, he said, knows the thoughts of God. And then he goes on in verse 12 to, to really teach us that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, that we have received the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Simply put, that's the gospel message. That's it right there. That we can understand what God has freely given us. Atonement for our sin. The ability to, to forget what was in our past, to be forgiven. To have a reason for living. To have the opportunity to spend eternity in the presence of God. That's what God freely gave us. Paul is also reminding us as believers that through the working of the Holy Spirit that we have the mind of Christ. So what does this mean if we have the mind of Christ? Okay, let me put just a few little bullet points here. One thing is, I believe, it allows us to understand the truth. The truth, it allows us to fully understand or to continue to understand and grow and deepen in our understanding of the truth. 
the truth of his word, the truth of who he is, the truth of his power, the truth of what he wants to do, what his purposes are. It also, I think, allows us to adjudicate matters of, uh, of, of ethics or morality in our own mind. It, well, put it, I mean, basically it gives us the ability to easily choose between what is right and what is wrong. Ethically, morally, whatever it is, having the mind of Christ, it's going to be clear. And it also means this, and this is really important. It means that we can understand at a deeper level, we can have revealed to us at a deeper level the things of God. How many want to know more about God? What He is, who He is, the mysteries of God, and, and all of things. I'm not saying you're ever going to get all the answers. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to know more, and you want to go deeper, and you want to have more revealed to you, it's going to be done by the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's not going to be from every book you read. Read books. This is the main one right here. Read this one, okay? But you can read others. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But it's still not going to make a dent in what you can know if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, having the mind of Christ. Another thing, though, about this is that it doesn't guarantee when you have the mind of Christ, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be right. <laughs> it would be nice if we could guarantee that every decision we make is going to be right. That's, that's not going to happen. That's not what this is. I can say it gives you a whole lot better opportunity to be right, I'd say. But there's no guarantee that you're always going to be right in every decision. And look, here's the reason why. As wonderful as it, as it is to know as believers that we can have the mind of Christ, we will always be given a choice. Always be given a choice to decide if we're going to follow the mind of Christ or if we're going to follow the mind of Billy. We're going to decide and, and be given the choice, do we want to follow the mind of Christ or the mind of Pastor Billy? Do we want to follow the mind of Christ, or do we want to follow the mind of Terry, or do we want to follow the mind of Patsy, or do I not pick on anybody? Do we want to follow the mind of Dominic, or do we want to follow the mind of Christ? We're going to always have that choice. Do you want, I'm going to ask you this question, do you want the Holy Spirit to be dynamic in your life? Do you want the Holy Spirit to be dynamic in your life? I'm not asking you to say anything you don't believe. Don't just respond because I ask it twice. Okay, I mean, I just say, look, if you do, if we do, because I know I do, we must choose to follow his direction and actively seek, like I was speaking about last week, actively seek guidance for our life from him. Okay? There's a story of a couple they had a big piece of property in Oklahoma. They were farmers. And uh, they, they, they had uh, really just been poor all their lives. But they had inherited this land from their family, and they had lived and been born and raised and lived there their entire lives. But because of their hard work and determination and just stick to it of this, I mean, they, 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 they worked hard, but they never really were. They were, they were living week to week. They, they scratched out an existence that they made it by the skin of their teeth, let's say. And then one day, they were made aware that on this property that had been in their family for decades had oil on it. And they went instantaneously from being poor 
wealthy beyond their wildest imagination. Just like that. I liken that to the idea that they had all of this resource that was right there under their feet for all those years as they were struggling, as they were trying to get to, to just make it. They never tapped into it. They never tapped into that resource. And I think about that like the Holy Spirit. Are there people, and I ask this rhetorically, but are there people that have this amazing resource that would bring prosperity, and not just financial prosperity, prosperity of blessings, direction, guidance, leading, that would be right under their feet, but they never tapped into it. They never tapped into the resource and all that that could bring into their lives. I think sometimes people do it because they just don't know, and that's why I'm preaching this today, to make sure that that's not the case of at least who's here today. That, that some people just don't know that that resource is there, that they, that they can tap into it, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now others, there's others, there's a lot of you here that may be in that category, I don't have anybody in mind in particular, but there might be, it probably is, that they don't allow the Holy Spirit to enhance and advance their life. They don't allow him to do it. They don't, they don't let him get out. You say, well, Pastor Billy, how do you, how does the Holy Spirit enhance and advance my life? He does it through his power. He does it through his wisdom. He does it through discernment that he can give you. And most importantly, amongst many other things I could say, he does it by his leading, his prompting, and his guidance. That's how he does it. That's how he can enhance your life. That's how you can advance your life. You can do it through his leading. And I don't want anyone in this church today or any other day, I don't want anyone in this church to miss out on anything that God has in store for them as a believer because they haven't tapped into that resource. Don't I want that to be. So how does a person receive wisdom of the mind of Christ. Remember now, you have been given the mind of Christ. The only question is, are you going to seek his will? Are you going to seek, you've been given the mind of Christ, are you going to seek his will? Are you going to seek his will? And more importantly, when you, when he's speaking to you and when you feel like it is, are you, and he's communicating with you, are you going to do what he asks you to do? Are you going to surrender your will to his will? Are you going to surrender what you want for what he wants? Are you willing to do that? That's how you receive the wisdom and the power, the anointing, I'd even say, in many cases. His leading, his guidance, his promptings. You have to be willing. You have to seek him and you have to be willing. So now, how does a person receive, and ask this question, how does a person receive the wisdom of the mind of Christ? How does a person operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? You want me to tell you what Jesus said? It's always good when you can say, if you have a question, you can point to what Jesus said, right? <laughs> I mean, 100%. 100%. Here's what Jesus said. Just ask for it. Now, if you do anything later on today, if you do, or for through the week, Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. Mull this over a little bit. Let, it, let, let the Lord speak to you 
about what I'm speaking to you about today. And then take this one too. Luke 11, Luke chapter 11, Dr. Luke, I call him. Physician Luke. Didn't have to do this. He was in the elite, man. He was considered to be the upper crust of society. Yet he decided he was going to follow these guys around and record everything that he had heard that was going on. So Dr. Luke wrote this in chapter 11, verses 10 through 13. It says this in the ESV. For everyone who asks, now listen to me now. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, now this is Jesus speaking. Luke's writing it. These are the words of Jesus. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give thee, give thee to those who Ask him. I'm going to say that last part again. If you men who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? Let's ask him. Let's ask him. Now, he's going to do things differently. He's going to do things the way he wants to do. Rob, if you come as we close. share something with you personally. For me, this is just me. I, I really, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, my life, and all of you, no matter how long you've been doing this, no matter how short of a time you've been doing this, walking it out as a Christ follower. It's, it, it, it's a lifelong pursuit. Isn't this taxing? Isn't the seeking the Holy Spirit and, and working in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and developing the Holy Spirit this moment? Is it a lifelong pursuit? Pastor Bill, is it a lifelong pursuit? It's a lifelong That's a good thing. There's always more. There's always another level. There's always something deeper. It's a lifelong pursuit. And that's what I, I really, it's come to, to me personally, it's really been something that's settled in on me. And, and I'm still seeking his power in new ways. And I have seen the demonstration of God's power in my life. I could tell you, I could sit down with you and tell you stories from a long time. But I'm still seeking new ways. And see, I believe that the, 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 the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives is different for everyone. When you hear the idea that God has a plan for you, God has a plan for you, but the plan for you is different than the plan for me. It doesn't mean that my plan is better than your plan or your plan is better than my plan. He has a different plan. But he has a plan for each of us. But here's the good news. And the way the Holy Spirit will work and do things in our lives will be different amongst each of us. There may be some commonality in many things, but it's, it's different. And here's why that's a good thing, because it's all encompassed. It's all under the umbrella of the sovereignty of God. He has a plan. He knows how to stitch this quilt together. He knows how to put this puzzle together. We don't, but he does. So let's do our part. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us and do what we need to do. That's what I'm trying to do. But no matter what, even though it's different amongst each and every one of us, there's this one thing I know that if a believer, you as a believer, you are a true Christ follower, 
you are willing to do it and ask in faith for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you do that, God has promised to answer that prayer. He's going to answer it differently for each and every one of you, maybe and probably. But he'll answer that prayer. Because he promised he would. He said that he would. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. To learn with me, because I'm still learning. I don't say that like I'm ashamed of it. If you're not still learning, then we need to talk. We all better be learning. Growing. And I would ask for you to, 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 to learn with me, to grow with me, to, to take this journey and find out what it means to live day by day and even I would say moment by moment, minute by minute, in the power and the wisdom and the leading and the prompting and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that with me? You will receive the benefits of it because you have the mind of Christ. Would you stand with me, please, for the closing of prayer today? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We ask you today to, to fill our to fill us, to fill our hearts, to fill the ministry of this church.